0: My name is Boyd Varty. I think of myself as an artist of experience. My passion is to create transformational experiences for myself and others as a way to explore what it means to truly live. My central exploration is to live on what I would call the track of your life. To me, this is to live courageously towards the discovery of what you are called to and to what life asks of you. So much of how I live has been informed by my passion as an animal tracker. I'm following the trail of my own life and reporting back. Expedition 1. Symphony of Stillness. Journal entry. It all begins with sketchy reports of a very rare black rhino that was seen in the far north of the reserve. I drive out with my gear, motivated by some deep tracking law. If there is a rare animal out there, I must go and look for it. The inclination to seek out and find what is rare is fundamental to the tracker. In this case, this results in an entire afternoon alone in the heat and the burning midday light, scouting. It's not romantic. It's mostly solo trudging, self-motivating, no one to make a show for. And yet I know it comes out of a place inside of me, that desire to search. I walk through dry winter terrain in search of the track. I sweat and stare at the earth for any scuff mark, any sign of that beautiful creature. I'm attuning to the way the ground speaks in some fundamental way, but nothing. I'm aware that I'm tracking, but I'm not tracking. At certain levels of any practice or art form, what you are doing gives way to who you are being. In martial arts, fighting is a door to presence and discipline and devotion and the chance to, in a fight, have an encounter with yourself. In yoga, the stretching is kind of the front side Of a life of compassion and service. I think of this now as I trudge around with no sign of the rhino. The tracking is becoming about a certain tenacity that I'm developing. It's about living the kind of life where lessons can find me and it's about practicing. Martha Beck, my mentor, used to say to me, how you do one thing you do everything. With this in mind, Tracking shows me where I can be lackadaisical, it shows me, shows me where I give up too easily, and it has shown me how I can lack concentration. My practice has handed me my shortfalls so that I may face them with some kind of renewed tenacity. And I have come to know that what I develop in my practice becomes who I am in my life. Right now I would say I'm developing my capacity for symphony, my ability to allow seemingly unrelated parts of life to come together. This quest for the sacred is of course more than that. It's about living towards the track of my own life. And today it's about hours alone in the heat on bad information and who that makes you. It's about being willing to be inside of what calls me with the understanding that that's how you become authentic. As some of you may know, my life has been defined by guiding. I worked first as a safari guide and then when my path pivoted, I became a guide in ceremonial spaces. In both cases, taking people into the wild or into their own psyche, the key was to know the terrain. You needed to have been there to those unknown places yourself. You needed to have been lost and found your way out. You needed to have scared yourself and in that way become humble. You needed to have made edges your new normals. That's how you became a guide, through knowing those places, through that kind of inner mapping. This understanding is what motivates me when after hours I have not seen one fresh track, but I know I'm doing the work. I walk past a beautiful impala lily, flowering in Miami pink against the dark bushveld. The kopje where I had planned to sleep is off-limits because someone had just sighted a leopard with a cub on it. I change my plan and drive south to another old platform in a tree called Tingwe Camp. The camp is set in a beautiful dry riverbed, dense with Tambuti trees. As I arrive at dusk, a family of bush babies is leaping through the trees around the camp. Now, for a moment here, stop and Google bush baby and get ready to meet a truly cute creature. Night is falling fast and the sky turns pink, while the second the sun drops behind the horizon, it gets cold. Up the river from me, A pack of wild dogs has made a den in an old termite mound and occasionally I can hear the pups squealing at their parents for meat. (coughs) The night rushes in and with it, it gets very cold. As I make the fire, I feel terribly lonely. Solitude is both a gift and a trial. Alone in the bush, it can rattle your bones with its relentless presence. Now, before you ask yourself questions of spirit like, am I on my mission or am I living my purpose? You might ask yourself, how long can you truly be alone for with nothing to distract you? And I don't mean 30 minutes that you scheduled for your meditation. I mean hours and hours with no books, no journals, no podcasting, nothing. I tell you that I think the answer to that question may be an indication of if you are really ready for the other two. Around me the birds roost in beautiful late night calls. The fire starts and the night crashes onto me, black. In the shadows of the fire there are ghosts of other nights that I have spent here. I remember a July winter when I was 15 with my best friend, where we lived at the camp. We had heard that beer was a taste you grew to like, so we choked down beers every day in the hopes of becoming cool beer drinkers rather than the fruit cooler losers we were. That July, we spent a lot of time trying to talk my sister's older friends into coming to sleep in our treehouse so we could drink beer in front of them. In my 20s, as a safari guide, on nights off, we would come and sleep at Tengwe camp. By now, we were beer-drinking pros, and I remember a night when a kind of wild fire dance culminated in about 20 of us covering ourselves in mud and stealing back to the main lodge camp like special forces. There, we abducted all the other staff out of their rooms to come and party with us. Now, to be fair, they didn't resist much. In fact, I recall a Land Rover full of muddy rangers beautiful hostesses and other hostages packed to the brim. In the confusion of that night of the raid, someone had put a standing exercise bike on the bonnet of the Land Rover and now a ranger was peddling it (laughs) as we all drove back to the old treehouse. The camp had been a place where many young guides in training had slept out in the wild for the first time. It was the place that many young men and women under the stars for the first time heard a lion roar at midnight. I tell you all of this because as I sat around that small fire last night I understood that part of why this spot is sacred to me is that it's dense with memory. It has held me through so many phases. In my immaturity it had held me and it had seen me grow from wayward to disciplined. And as I look back on it I don't want to exclude all that skullduggery from the sacred. I remember another time I'd been engaged to be married and after that fell apart i had come back to the spot fundamentally confused by the dilemmas of love and compatibility. If the arrow of time is not linear, if time is in fact a flat circle where everything is actually occurring simultaneously and as I sat by that fire I sat with versions of myself in time, just a veil of perception away. And of course that insight that that produced was that the place had always been sacred. But only now, from an inner awareness of what that may even begin to mean, could I begin to perceive it. I tell you, a silence fell as I felt the truth of this. It was so intense, it was like a force. The night held its breath around me, and I sat in that still intensity, aware of a new quality in my own presence. I was aware that I was aware. The past gave way and the future froze. Was the sacred coming into me from the place or finally coming out of me to make the place what it had always been? All through the night an almost oppressive stillness remained. The star's crystal with cold above me. Oppressive is the wrong word, but never have I felt a calm of that intensity. Only once was the silence broken when a white-faced owl called out. At times in the night I lay awake, but without a single thought in my mind. The branches of the tree above me against the dark dimensions of the sky Looked like fronds of flat fan coral. At dawn, a three legged hyena slunk eerily through the camp. I share this, and all of these recollections are a true part of the journey, and there is a magic to being alone in the wild. But I ask that you understand also that there is so much space between the magic, where I am operating alone. And in a state of self-reliance. There is always the potential for danger and it is not so much romantic as it requires attention and the discomfort that comes with growth. I'm pushing myself to seek the natural insights that come with time in unusual terrain. And this is the work of making a symphony of wildness and solitude into growth and wisdom. I understand that my own routines can also be ruts. I have to get outside of the bonds of normal life and see what I learn there if I ever want to comment on what it means to live. Well, I'm not sure how to say any of this, so let me try it like this. When I was facilitating a lot of ceremony work, the schedule would be intense. A different group every night in a different city, often deep emotional processes, PTSD, abuse. Visioning, rebirthing, deconstruction, reconstruction. Every night we sat for people and we held that space for healing and human making. I used to notice before the group I could be a total wreck. My girlfriend could have left me. I could have lost my bag. My own issues could be paramount. But when I walked into that group, the presence would come. And no matter what was going on in my life, a steady, clear God-force was holding space. Man, that kind of experience leaves you wondering about the validity of your own problems, that they could plague you all day and be gone instantly in the face of another's suffering or process. I guess what I'm trying to say is that work, like this work, calls me forth in a way that makes me bigger than the smallest parts of myself. So yes, I am searching for the sacred in wild places. But more than that, I'm trying to find what calls me forth, because I feel like living towards that with motivation and discipline might be the sacred that is not a place. 4 0. Out. This has been another episode of the Track Your Life podcast with Boyd Varty. Follow us on Instagram at Boyd underscore Varti, Twitter, at Boyd Varti, visit Boyd's website at com, or subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. Please rate and review this podcast so that more people can find and enjoy it.